Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. Well, uh, good morning, everyone. Um, I hope you are all well. Um, today, uh, as you'll see, we are doing things a little bit differently, and uh, we're recording this video for you uh, because late yesterday, um, we've had a, a few people in this household that are a little bit under the, the weather, and so um, we're not quite sure what it is at the moment, but um, we are just trying to be safe and to make sure that we keep the rest of you safe, um, so hence the video today. So. Um, anyway, if I don't know you yet, my name is Graham, and I'm one of the pastors here at Renaissance, and um, wish I could see you, <laughs> wish I could, could could be there in person with you, um, but I am excited to see what uh, God's Word has for us for today. Um, if you have a Bible, I would invite you to turn to ch uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 um, is where we're going to be for today, and if you are new to the Bible, um, Ephesians is near the end of your Bibles. And um, uh, if you're looking for it, you can feel free to use the table of contents or you can ask someone who is near you where you can find it. Um, so um, I'm going to begin by asking you guys a question. Um, I'm curious, what comes to your mind when I say the word imitation? Okay, imitation. Um, and, I w and I wonder what you think of that word because it's a word that it has, it can have both negative and positive connotations. All right, so I'm going to give you a few examples here. Uh, imitation crab, all right? Imitation crab is not real crab, right? I've had it before. Uh, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's not the real deal, right? Um, Splenda, right? Splenda is like a sweetener. Um, it's imitation sugar, and I think it's definitely not the real deal, right? Like I like my coffee a little bit sweet, um, but I would never even think to put Splenda in it because I find it disgusting and I think it ruins good things like coffee. Um, and then finally we have uh, celebrity impersonators, right? Celebrity impersonators, they imitate celebrities, um, but uh, they're almost never like a good thing, right? Like if you've, if you've ever seen like the millions of like Elvis or Michael Jackson or Marilyn Monroe impersonators, they're almost always like incredibly tacky and tasteless and just very, very subpar. So um, imitation, it can obviously it can be a really bad thing. But on the other hand, imitation can also be a really good thing, right? So we imitate those who we admire, right? Imitating someone who's good at something, it can, all, it can often help us develop skills too. And some people even say that imitation is the greatest form of flattery. So, um, imitation can it can either be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. And so, all of that to say, today we are talking about how, as followers of Jesus, we are called to be imitators of God. And so, why this is so important is because in order to resemble God, we need to know what He is like. And one of the biggest problems in life that is that 
our sin, it gets in the way of being good imitators of God, right? This is something that we all face. It's, it's that sin makes us lousy imitators of God. And so today, uh, we're going to look at what makes us look more like God and, and how we can live life as real imitators of God. So if you're new here, uh, we as a church are currently going through a series in the book of Ephesians. And if you're not familiar with Ephesians, it was written by a man named Paul to a church in the city of Ephesus. And so Paul is writing to them for a couple of reasons, right? So first, um, he wants the church to know their identity as believers in Jesus. So who they are as a result of becoming Christians. And then the second thing that he wants them to know is how to live as a result of that identity. So in other words, what do their lives look like as followers of Christ? And so this book, uh, the book of Ephesians, it's basically divided in half, talking about these two sections, right? And so we are currently in the second half of the book, and it discusses practical ways of living out the identity as Christians. And we're going to read our text for today in just a minute. Before we do that, though, I want to give a little bit of an idea of where we're heading. And so the main thing that I want us to see from our text today is that imitators of God pursue selfless, sinless, and spirit-filled lives. All right? Imitators of God pursue selfless, sinless, and spirit-filled lives. So we're going to, as we go, we're going to break that up into three different sections pretty straightforward, right? Imitators of God pursue selfless lives, imitators of God pursue sinless lives, and imitators of God pursue spirit-filled lives. Um, so let's read our text for today. And again, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll start in verse 1. Here's what it says. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or a covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. He says, Let there be no foolish or sorry, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always 
for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another utter reverence for Christ. All right. Um, well, um, you guys have probably heard the saying, the apple doesn't fall from far, fall far from the tree, right? I'm assuming that most people have heard that. Um, if you haven't heard that, though, what it basically means is that children, they often share similar qualities to their parents. And so if a child physically looks similar to their parents, someone, someone might say to them, oh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Or um, it might be said if a child takes up some of the same hobbies as the parent or something like that, right? They resemble their parents. And really it makes sense because anyone who's ever had kids, they know that kids love to imitate their parents, right? In fact, that's a major way that they learn is by observing their parents. Um, they observe their behaviors, how they interact with others, and how they speak to others, and so on. And uh, so why I mention all this is because this is the first thing that we see that Christians are called to do to our Heavenly Father. We are called to imitate, right? So we see in verse 5 it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And so God's children imitate Him. We try to be like Him. We look to Him as our example of how to live. And so that really begs the question then, how do we imitate God? Right? How do we imitate God? And that, that brings us right into our first point. So imitators of God pursue selfless lives. Imitators of God pursue selfless lives. So uh, I want to ask the question, what are, we, what are we really talking about here? Should we just, you know, should we just do some nice things here and there? Like, you know, give to the homeless sometimes or, or maybe like volunteer uh, a couple times a year or just try to be nice, you know, I'll try and do like these nice things, be selfless. Um, I would say like none of these things are bad things at all, right? We probably should do these things. Um, but what we see here is that God calls us as Christians to a higher standard of selflessness, right? The call to selflessness is the standard of Jesus. And this is what uh, Paul says. He says, he says, um, be imitators of God and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So this is the first way that Paul tells us to imitate God, is by selflessly loving others. So we are called to love others as Christ loved us. And so the standard of selflessness that is required of us is that of Jesus. And so um, I want us to look at what that looks like. Uh, this week I heard uh, this pastor, his name is the Bidi Anuabile, um, and he says this, he says, love, it looks like entering into another's experience. Right? Love looks like entering into another's experience. That's what Christian love is, the love that imitates God. That's what it looks like. Why is that? It's because that's what we see from Jesus. Right? Jesus stepped into our experience. Jesus, the God of the universe, he became human, right? He lived among us. He became one of us. He entered into our experience as humans here on earth. So loving like Christ loved us is to humbly enter into others' experience. And so if, if we are called to love like Christ loved us, then I want us to ask us all here a question. Right? The question is this, do we care enough about the people that God has put in our lives to step into their experience? 
we care enough about the people that God has put into our lives to step into their experience because this is how we are called to love one another and to imitate God, right? By stepping into their experience as Jesus did for us. And not only did Jesus selflessly enter into our experience, he also gave himself up for us. Jesus willingly gave himself up for us. He obeyed the will of God to go to the cross to pay the debt for our sins. The death of, of Christ and, and the forgiveness of your sins was out of pure and selfless motives, right? Jesus did not deserve to die. He was completely sinless, and yet God came to us, selflessly entered into our experience as humans, and faced the wrath of God on the cross for our sins. And so as imitators of God, we are called to love others selflessly and sacrificially. So imitators of God pursue selfless lives. Next, what we see is that imitators of God pursue sinless lives. And so if we look at uh, verses 3 through 18, what we see is Paul addressing these specific sins that followers are to avoid. So let's look at some of what we see here. So in verse 3, he says, uh, he tells us to abstain from sexual immorality, impurity, and covetousness. And covetousness, that just means uh, wanting something that someone else has. Verse 4, he warns us about filthiness, foolish talk, and crude joking. These all have to do with our words. And then down in, in verses 15 and 17, he warns us about being foolish and, and using our time wisely. And then finally, in, in verse 18, he says, do not get drunk. And so, um, you know, we're not going to go into detail about what all of these mean exactly, but what is he getting at? He's getting at imitators of God pursue sinless lives. And again, why is he saying this? Right? Because our sin makes us lousy imitators of God. Right? We cannot look like God if our lives are full of sin, if we are pursuing things that are, are impure, if we are coveting, if we are crass with our words, if we are foolish or if we're pursuing the pleasures of the here and now, then we make lousy imitators of God. Right? We we look like that, you know, that really embarrassing bad celebrity impersonator. And and why is that? It's because this is not what God is like, right? God is pure. God is holy. God does not covet. God uses his words to uplift rather than to tear down. And God is wise. And so if we are trying to imitate God, then we cannot let our sin get in the way. Right? Sin, sin is where we miss the mark at looking like God. It's a barrier to becoming more like God. And so Paul, he begins by saying, avoid these sins. Avoid impurity. Avoid covetousness. Avoid destructive talk and foolishness and drunkenness, right? And then, and not only do imitators of God just abstain from sin, they also pursue God's ways, right? So it's not just enough to just stop sinning and be moral people. Rather, the call as imitators of God is to pursue his ways. And so Paul, he talks about how we can pursue God's ways, and the first thing that we see is that we are to be thankful. Right? We can pursue sinless lives by being thankful to God. 
And what I find interesting are all the sins that are addressed when we have a heart of thankfulness. Here's what I mean. So this is what he says in verse 3. He says, But sexual immorality, all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Proper among saints. He says, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. So instead of all of these sins, right, all the sins he's just mentioned, Paul says, turn from those and instead be thankful. Because thankfulness, it plays into all these areas of our lives. It plays into our sexual lives. It plays into what God has given us or hasn't given us. And it plays into how we speak. And so our call is to turn from sin and instead to be thankful to God for what he has given to us and what he has done for us. And um, I was talking this week to my wife, Melissa, about um, you know, some online group chats that we, we were in for school. And, um, and we were talking about like how common it is to hear people complain about school. It really, it really gets dramatic, right? So people will, will say like, oh, you know, I hate this class or I, I just can't wait to be done. Or, you know, this is so stupid. Like, why do we have to do this? Like, all of this stuff we hear um, as just as students. And, and so she, Melissa says to me, she says, um, like, I guess, you know, people stop complaining once they really find something that they love to do. Like, you know, their career or job they like. And I've been working for a while. I was like, no, actually, no. Like, people in the workforce complain just as much too, right? Because... You know, we see this all the time from people. People love to complain about their work or school or whatever it may be. And so whether it's complaining or or wanting what someone else has or, or pursuing sexual sin, it, it comes down to a matter of being content. Right? It's a matter of being satisfied with God and, and what He has provided. And let's be honest, like this is not just everyone else, right? We do it too. We we complain and and. and we're sinful. Like this week, I had to catch myself um, as a group of my uh, friends of mine. Um, they were complaining about another student in the class, and I'll be honest. Like I wasn't perfect, perfect in it either. But um, I was reminded of this verse, and I had to think, like, what can I be thankful for instead of using my words foolishly here? Um, and and that's something practical that I would encourage you in as well. Like when you're feeling tempted sexually, or when you're feeling tempted by what others have, or being tempted to use your words negatively, you can think, like, what am I thankful for instead? Like, how, how can I thank God for what he has given me or for what he has done for me? Because this is, this is how we become imitators of God, by saying no to our sin and instead giving thanks to God for what he has done for us. So um, we pursue God's ways by being thankful what else we see is that we also pursue God's ways by exposing sin. And then this is what uh, Paul says in verse 11. He says, Take no part of the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it's shameful even to speak the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So, so imitators of God expose sin. And so what we, we see, we get into this section here where uh, Paul is contrasting uh, living as light and living as darkness. And so when, when we talk about exposing sin, I want us to be very careful about what, what we mean here. Because 
I think this can this could easily be interpreted the wrong way. I'll explain what I mean here. So um, in our day, when someone gets exposed for what they've done, right, it usually means that an individual or like the media or maybe both, they've uh, they've dug up like all the dirt that they can find on this person. And then they've kind of just like revealed it for the whole world to see. Right? So they found like every negative thing about this person that is possibly available. And it's just kind of like aired out their dirty laundry for the rest of the world. Right? That is not what we're talking about here. Um, what we're talking about is making someone aware of their sin in an appropriate manner. And so the, the imagery that Paul uses here is light and darkness. So I'm going to give you an analogy here. Um, back when I was young, uh, I was really young at this time, we didn't have like very good cameras on our phone, right? So in fact, uh, I lived in a time where cameras weren't even a thing on phones, if you can believe that. Um, and so people had uh, physical cameras with film in them, which is crazy, right? Um, and nothing was digital. So, you know, when you wanted to like develop a photo, what you would do was you would take it to this place called a dark room and uh, you would develop a photo uh, and yeah, you would develop your, your film. So if you don't know what a dark room is, it's exactly that. It is a dark room with no light. Um, and it was dark because if there it was any light that came in while you were developing your photos, your photos would become exposed and you wouldn't be able to recognize them anymore because they became brighter, right? Your photos would become bright if they were exposed to any light. And so similarly, when we are light, right, when we are not participating in sin, when we are obeying God and when we're living out his commands, we are exposing the sin of others. We're shedding light on sin. And I want to say this, yes, there are times when when we should verbally call out sin and and if, if and when it is appropriate. But the main thing that we, that how we expose sin is by being light, right? By not participating in sin and by pursuing God's ways. Um, and and I, I just want to mention, I'm talking, when, when I'm talking about exposing sin, we're not talking about the, the how we, we act with the church. When we are talking, when we see sin in the church, we call that out and we expose it that way. When we're talking about sin with non-believers, yeah, we may gently um, bring it up and, and talk about it. But uh, the, the main thing that we're seeing here is we expose it by, by living in a proper manner and living according to, to God's ways. Um, I'm going to read you, uh, this is a quote from Matthew Henry, and this is what he writes. He says, We must prudently and in our places witness against the sin of others and endeavor to convince them of their sinfulness when we can do it seasonably, seasonably and pertinently in our words, but especially by the holiness of our lives and, and a religious conversation. He says, reprove their sins by abounding in the contrary duties. Right, so what is he saying here? We have an obligation when it's appropriate to point out the sin of others. Right? He says we do so in our words if we can do so gracefully, but we also do it by acting contrary to sin, by obeying God, and by loving people in the midst of their sin, and, and demonstrating how to live as imitators of God when others around us are sinning. And and let me just say this too, the, the goal of exposing sin is, is not just to correct immoral behavior. Right? The goal of exposing sin is that others would see their need of a Savior and the goodness of the grace of Jesus. And 
Really, it is to show that the light of Christ can shine through even the deepest of sinners. So um, we see imitators of God pursue selfless lives, sinless lives, and finally we see that imitators of God pursue spirit-filled lives. And we see this in the, the last few verses of, uh, what we see in the last few verses are four signs of a spirit-filled life. Right? Paul is showing us what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit and have that overflow into our everyday lives. And so he says, he says, don't be drunk with wine. He says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on to, to say these four ways in which that looks like. And so that he, the four ways he says here we are uh, that it looks like are to are by singing together, um, by singing alone, by being thankful, and by submitting to one another. Um, and here's what he says. He says, be filled with the Spirit. And in verse 19, he says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord. Uh, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to, the, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so uh, let's let's look at that first addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. On the outset, it looks like Paul is saying that a spirit-filled life means that we are to sing to one another, right? Um, uh, this has a, a, a different meaning. According to the, the guys at the Bible Project, it means more that we would sing with one another. Um, and so when we gather on, on Sundays, before and after the sermon, we sing with one another as a form of worship. Right? Sometimes we gather in our homes and we sing together when we have prayer nights or, or members meetings. And we do this as a form of worship as we are filled with God's Spirit. Right? The second thing we see is uh, singing alone. And here he says, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And so out of a joyful heart, we sing to God. We praise him not only when we are together at church, but even when we are alone. If we are filled with God's Spirit, then Paul tells us the natural outpouring of that is through song. Next, we see uh, being thankful again. And, you know, we, we've already touched on this a little bit, so I'm not going to go into too much detail here. Um, but I'll, I'll share a, a quick story with you guys. Um, so when uh, Melissa and I, when we put Skylar to bed, we have kind of this little routine that we do with her. And uh, it involves a few things. So Number one, it involves reading books with her. We read um, one of the books that she chooses, and then we read the Bible with her. Then it involves singing together. So we sing uh, some worship songs. And then finally, it involves finishing the day by saying something that we're thankful for. Uh, and so uh, we, one of these days, we're, we're doing this routine, and, and Skylar, she asks me, she says, Dad, what are you thankful for? Um, and I really had to think, like, this is, it's not always easy for me to come up with things that I'm th thankful for. Um, and so, you know, I was thinking about it for a while, um, and I finally came up with something. Like, it took me a long time. I was like, I can't think of anything today. And so I was like, I said whatever it was, and she looks at me and she goes, uh, what else are you thankful for? And I was like, really? Like, I... I feel like it was a struggle for me to come up with that one thing. Now I have to come up with another thing. Um, but what it really did was it revealed to me, okay, like maybe I'm not being filled with the Spirit like I ought to be. Right? Maybe my lack of thankfulness is showing me 
that I need to pursue God and enjoy what he's given me. Because what we see is that a life that is full of the Spirit will naturally overflow with thankfulness. Uh, the last thing that, that Paul mentions about being filled with the Spirit is that we will submit to one another. Uh, here he's talking about the church, and it, that's um, when the it's that when the church is filled with God's Spirit, others become more important than ourselves. Right? We willingly say, yeah, like let me serve you. Let, let me participate in building this church up. Right? We, don't, we don't fight for our own way. We humbly submit to others out of a reverence for Christ. And this, this comes by being filled with God's Spirit. So I want us to, to look at these things and think, does my life reflect this? Right? Do, do I find joy in praising God together with others? Do I, do I sing praises to God by myself? Right? Am I continuously thankful for everything God has blessed me with? And do I humbly submit to those in the church? Because this is what it looks like to have a spirit-filled life. And imitators of God pursue selfless, sinless, and spirit-filled lives. And, and know this, we can only pursue selfless and sinless lives as we are filled with the Spirit. Right? Because on our own, none of this is at all possible. And here's what I want us to see. If, if we want to imitate God, we need to look to Jesus. And when we talk about living selfless, sinless, and Spirit-filled lives, the perfect picture of that is with Jesus. We are, we are called to love others as Jesus loved us, completely selfless. He, he left his home in heaven to step into our experience. And we are called to live sinless lives as Jesus did. And, and Jesus never sinned, but showed his contentment in God the Father by being completely obedient. And we are called to, to uh, spirit-filled lives just like Jesus. And he did everything by the power of God's spirit. He was selfless by God's Spirit, and he was sinless by God's Spirit. Right? And he died on the cross to face the wrath of God for our sins. And God raised him again to life, and he is living today in those who will put their faith in him. And so by God's Spirit, we are called to this life, to imitate God, to look like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to shine light on sin, and to have God's Spirit overflow out of us into the world. And so, as imitators of God, we need to pursue selfless, sinless, and Spirit-filled lives. And this happens as we put our faith in Jesus and His selfless, sinless, and Spirit-filled life. Let's pray. Um, God, we're so thankful for um, all that you've done for us. God, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for Jesus and and um, just everything that he has done for us. Um, we, we ask that you help us to turn from our sin um, and help us to be thankful for, for everything that you've done for us. Um, help us to pursue selfless and sinless and spirit-filled lives as we look to Jesus as our example. And we just thank you for the grace that you've given us. Just as, as sinners, we do not deserve it. And so we have everything to be thankful to you for. Um, help us to live uh, just with your spirit and just being thankful for you every day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl.gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.